Hey guys, this is Leland with What Would Leland Do? And today I'm talking with my friend Bill Brakemeyer, who's a life strategist, transformative scholar, business coach, uh, corporate strategist, integral teacher, uh, list goes on and on, a real smart guy. We're talking about a three-minute lecture from a Jordan Peterson uh, lecture, a three-minute uh, segment, I should say, from a Jordan Peterson lecture. Um, and we're going to call it, You Are Not the Master of Your Own Home. You're not the master of your own home. Uh, enjoy. All right, this is uh, Leland with What Would Leland Do? I'm here today with my friend Bill Brakemeyer. Uh, Bill, you want to say hi? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm good. I hope they're good. Um, I'm uh, excited. So this podcast is about a three-minute segment that Jordan Peterson does uh, on his Call to Abraham lecture, which... This segment has uh, a little, very little to do with the Bible, but the basic idea is that, that you are not the master of your home. You are not in control of your interests, uh, that there are spirits or sub-personalities that dwell within you that uh, sort of dictate uh, what, what governs your interests, what you notice, what you don't notice. Um, is, was, that a, was that a good enough brief summary, Bill? Sure. No, I, I I found the uh, the clip uh, fascinating. I mean, as as Jordan Peterson always is. Yeah. So w- one of the things that uh, I mean, in order, I've got my notes in order. But one of the things he says is that you have a will. So he says that you have a will, um, but your will only has some control over uh, your being, over some conscious control over your being. So a lot of people think that they're in total control of their wants and desires, but uh, kind of the essence of, of the little the little clip was that, um, no, in fact, you're not in control of a lot of the things that are sort of incorporated in your being. Yeah, no, I, one thing I've seen uh, in, in doing coaching, whether it's executives or life coaching, whatever, they, um, everybody thinks they have a lot more control in their life than they really do. And, and I, I think there's a lot of, what I would say older wisdom traditions, uh, one of the first things they say is that, um, you know, we've got to be humble. There's got to be a lot of humility in our life because we do not have any control. We have very little willpower in, in a lot of areas of life. Yeah, well, and, and there's specifically, he says, you know, uh, dreams is a good example, right? You can't will anything that you dream about you can you know you you could control your dreams to some extent if you practice lucid dreaming but even that is like you're at the subject to your dreams you don't really get to be a a molder and a shaper um and then impulses too i was after we listened to this uh i was playing with my son and he i don't he like smacked me in the face just you know how two-year-olds do and there's this moment of impulse of like like you know you little shit <laughs> like don't do that and then right. there's, there's other impulses too like if you know if you're if somebody makes a smart ass comment to you or cuts you off in traffic um and you feel that rage that can come from that like that's an impulse that's part of you um that you're not consciously controlling so it's beyond your control but it's still it's still governing your actions um and he, i think that he makes the case and i believe this that 
there's a lot more stuff governing your actions than uh, like way your way more stuff is governing your actions than the stuff that you believe uh, you are controlling. Yeah, he. Well, I I think we're we're up against two different things, right? I mean, if and I kind of I, I'll say two things, but I, I think it's a there's two things to look at. One is uh, he mentioned the fact that he he I think he mentioned Jung, Carl Jung, uh, and some of the psychoanalysts. They mentioned subpersonalities. Yes. Yeah. So that uh, there's a saying that that man is a multiplicity, and what that means is that. There aren't even dozens. There's hundreds of subpersonalities coming and going, right? In our inner world, our construct, there's a lot of parts and personalities moving around. So that's one piece because a lot of times we're, we don't even observe what subpersonality, uh, we've heard the word persona, are we even in? The other piece is talking about your son is that we're three centered beings. We have a mental right center an emotional center a physical center so we're moving in and out of parts of the brain parts of emotions parts of body back and forth he probably had a physical reaction right your son and and just slapped you or popped you and then right it for you it was it was physical then emotional and then then a mental part popped in and thought i probably shouldn't hit him back he's only two (laughs) so um we're, we're having to deal with both of those things at the same time. I mean, sub-personalities and having to deal with what center are we working with. So th- there is a lot going on, as, as Jordan was trying to explain. Well, and so when you say we're dealing with it, uh, that it's almost like, do you think of it like they're variables? And then with those variables, we have to sort of make the decision or go forward. Um, or do you think that they're dealing with us? interesting um sometimes we've we've heard in neuroscience recently people are talking about um there are two or three different parts of the brain right and we know the emotional brain moves a lot faster than what we would call the mental brain or prefrontal cortex so uh, hey bill so uh i think we got cut off there for a second but i think you're making a point about uh the emotional brain and the logical brain I think there's a good book uh, called Thinking Fast and Slow. Is that kind of along the lines of the what you're? I've heard that's a great book, and and it, it totally goes into the two different speeds or tempos of the brain. Yeah, and I, I was, yeah, I was making the point that yeah, if I'm in traffic, um, my body, the physical body can can react much faster at 55 miles an hour than a, ba- a brain trying to process. You know, is this lo- logical? What are we doing? So um, we are machines in terms of what the physical body is up to, like you talked about, impulses, desires, right, the lower base nature, and our emotions. And normally the, the brain, or some people would call it a mind, um, is moving much slower and it comes later. So I, I think it, Jordan was asking the question, what is attention? Where does it come from? You know, what are we doing with that? How can we be in control uh, with this thing called attention. Yeah. Well, and so I think uh, I was watching a John D. Martini quote, trying to explain to somebody my, the hierarchy of values. And he tells a story about walking through a mall 
And it's like, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to walk through a mall and you're going to notice, you know, the business clothes and the nice shoes and maybe the Lamborghini like poster stuff. Uh, and if you're a, a mom, you might notice the strollers and you'll notice, uh, you know, you'll notice kids stuff and family stuff and that, and that the world presents itself, you know, according to your hierarchy of values. Um, right. And it, and right. I thought about this in relation to, you know, what Jordan Peterson was saying about what compels you because, you know, what, like, there's a million things that you notice, but it's sort of like a chicken or that egg thing. It's like my, my, my wife goes through the mall and she, she might notice children's stuff, but another wife might go through the mall and notice, you know, all the jewelry and all the, um, you know, all the other examples. So, um, but where does that come from? Like, and he says, he always uses the word exactly. So like, where does that come from exactly? It's like, why are you driven by that as opposed to any of the millions of other things that you could notice? Um, and if it's not, you know, if it's not your, you're not the one that's doing it, right? Like that's what the, the argument that he's making, that it's coming from something outside of you. Yeah, there's, I, there's, there's a couple of different uh, models and systems or schools that I've studied with that would say that, 99% of our day, we are reacting to the exterior world, things around us, right? So um, what we would see in a mall or what we might see in an airport, um, those things would come from our highest priorities or what uh, John Martini would call your, your ladder of values. So if, um, if I'm really into kids baseball and, and I coach the baseball team and I do a lot of workouts at the gym and I'm studying a lot of stuff on performance in baseball. Um, my mind is hardwired to look for things that would help me help the team, maybe help my uh, son or daughter. And so automatically I, I'm searching for those things. Here's a good example. So uh, a, a student or, you know, maybe, maybe one of your kids, uh, knows that they need to study for a test for three hours and they say, I'm going to sit down and study, but then their interest goes everywhere. It, it goes to, you know, Oh, my white shoes need to be cleaned or the doors open or I need to listen to different kind of music and that they can't control their focus or their attention uh, when they want to control it on, on studying. So if they're not controlling it, you know, who's in control of it in the, in the moment. Um, it happens every day in my household. I've got a 13 and 15 year old and uh, my oldest Savannah uh, may, I don't say she's the worst, but she, in terms of music, <clears throat> having the right, she's into drinking tea now, herbal teas, having everything in a certain way in her in environment is more important than getting the homework done. So clearly, right. But there still has to be an exterior reminder where we're saying, Savannah, finish your chemistry, right? Let's let's finish the worksheet there on Algebra 2. We're continually having to remind her, let's go back to the homework. Let's finish this piece so we can move on to the next one. So, okay, and this is the other thing I wanted to think about. Because so, in terms of, I knew that this would happen in this order. Because uh, if we had gone through the whole presentation by the very end, because the very last line that he says is, if you ignore this, you will pay for it dearly. Mm. you know something along the lines of that 
And so I think about this when it's like, especially with, with my son or even as you're saying like, well, I need to keep reminding her to be interested in homework. Well, it's like, are you going against this force that's, that's generating her interest in specific directions? Um, when you're trying to force school down there, you know, or, you know, I've learned this because I used to be able to just swallow hard and grind through stuff I wanted to learn. And now if I'm not interested in it, I won't even try. Um, I, mm. I think that I'll be interested in it in the future. But like I, right, right now, I want to learn about real estate, but I, I've like I'm sort of learning about it in the back, but I'm not going to sit down and force myself through a seminar or through, through. And I used to do that all the time. Um, but it's but I think it's a weird question because you if you admire if you acknowledge the fact that your interests are governed by something uh that it's good to follow your interests to some extent um what is it when you're reminding your student to be interested in their chemistry homework john demartini yeah john demartini um calls this injected values and what it means is that Things that we hesitate with or things that we procrastinate with, like you said, learning about real estate, that's probably somebody else's highest values or somebody you look up to in your life, right, has used the word should and has continued to say, Leland, you really should study real estate or you should invest or diversify in real estate. If it was a, of a high value to you or your highest value, um, you would be you'd be studying every day in the best schools and the best universities and the best real estate programs or whatever to learn it. But if somebody has to keep coming back to remind you, hey, let's finish chemistry and algebra two like I do with Savannah, it's of a high value to me, right? It may be a higher value to me that she does well in school because we do want her to apply to colleges and not get five rejection letters we want her to be able to choose a school and be able to go and so with a little bit more long-term thought or planning mom and dad see it as a high value for her to do well in a lot of her classes so do you and i'm not i'm not i'm more curious i'm not uh picking apart parenting at all so uh but I'm curious, like, do you think that she's learning to not follow something that her highest value is? She, is, is she learning to inject other people's values in her life by default because or, or does she understand? Absolutely. Yeah. As a teenager, most of the values and priorities we carry around with us are shoulds from, right, parents, coaches, teachers, preachers, ministers, neighbors, grandparents, we're carrying around a set of values that may not uniquely belong to us, right? They're not authentically ours. And so I remember stepping back at 15, 16 years old, I was trying to do the right thing and impress my teachers, right? Uh, the student council sponsor we had, honor society, the soccer coach, I was trying to do all the right things to get a pat, you know, on the head or on the shoulder. And so those are called injected values. And a lot of us spend end of high school, college, post-college years trying to sort it all out and try to unpack all this stuff to say, what are my real values in life? What are my true uh, interests? Which I think Jordan 
Peterson was coming back to this, that he, he said in there that we're having a calling, right, or a call to adventure, um, and that we need to heed the calling. We need to listen to the calling. And if we don't, we're in big trouble. You know, and he was saying this, I guess, as a clinician or, or psychotherapist uh, about what happens if we don't listen to those final callings. And it should be our calling. It shouldn't just come from parents or spouse, right, or a business partner. We should have our own values. Yeah, well, he said he says that, you know, that calling is the thing that in the story that, that gets gets them out of the house, that it, it gets you out of your comfort zone and compels you to move forward um, out of, yeah, out of the norm or out of the area that you grew up in. Um, it It's an interesting di- like dichotomy because with with my son, I, I, I want him to cultivate curiosity as much as possible, because I think that if he just follows his curiosity, but he also adds skills and becomes useful obviously you can't uh you know but if he's if he can follow his curiosity and learn to be useful like i feel like he'll it'll be a victory in life he'll get to be uh engaged in things that he's actually interested in but the last line the warning about about going against the things that captivate your interest or fighting against it man i know people that i wouldn't say like you say a, a body that gets a disease is a body that's not at ease or um, you see people who have aligned themselves against the things that uh, they should obviously be going for. You know, they're not going, they're not in the field of choice that is most aligned with their highest values, you say. Um, and you can see that like, it just drains on them every day that it just. Um, and so what what do you think about um, somebody that's in that situation or somebody that uh, finds themselves sort of interested in something for a very long time that hasn't done it? Uh, how do you get going? How would you get going? So, uh, boy, this and this might be uh, uh, a great topic, right, for, for a longer conversation in the future. A couple things on that. So, Go, let's go back to what I heard you say, right? Talking about the boys or talking about Roman with, um, you know, you want to cultivate curiosity and you want him to find his highest, I forget the way you said it, vision or um, know that you can't help as a parent, you can't help but to filter everything through your highest values and priorities. So Sarah has her highest values and priorities or ladder, right? What's number one, what's number two, what's number three, all, all the way down. And so do you. And so the way we listen, the way we react, the way we talk, the things we try to quietly pray and meditate about, you can't help but to interact and go through life with your highest values. Yeah. So cultivating curiosity, um, kind of stepping back with that, that that may be of a high value for you. And because it's of a high priority or value for you, you believe other people should be cultivating curiosity. You cannot help but want your kids to take on that attribute or behavior, right, or skill set later in life because you believe it has helped you. you. You have a belief that that's really been good for you. So as a parent, we can't help but inject or project our values into our kids' lives. So, it, you know, it, that, that's just a thought. The other thing I was going to say, you were asking, you were talking about uh, disease. 
and Jordan uh, Peterson had said that uh, the very worst things in life, like, right, all the bad things will come into your life if you do not heed the calling, if you do not listen and hearken to the calling. And so there's a real push there that whatever is calling to us, that we would follow that. And I do think he's, like you were saying, talking about illness, disease, cancer, addictions, all types of things that happen if we're not listening to that highest calling, right? Or following our highest values, as we've been talking about. So, I, but to me, uh, cultivating curiosity, and I, maybe curiosity is there, like uh, cultivating Roman going after the thing that grips his interest, right? Being aware of what's gripping his interest and pursuing it. Um, that seems like a good skill. And if I, if I am forcing Roman to uh, learn chemistry, uh, it seems like it would be also at the same time teaching him to not be ruthlessly pursuing things that captivate his interest. Like, is it better, like, and then this is kind of the essence of the teaching. I'm not really asking you, but is he saying that it's better to ruthless, ruthlessly uh, sacrifice towards that thing that, that grips you, whatever it is, uh, to sacrifice towards the thing that grips you? Uh, if that's the case, then, well, if, if, if he's saying sacrifice towards the thing that grips you, wouldn't it? makes sense to, to not to not be studying uh history to get an a i mean how how, how do you balance that i guess or how would how and i don't expect you to know the answer i'm just thinking as i'm out loud but what do you think about that well it's it's the difference between they've been talking about this forever is that uh reading reading some of what they would call the old classics is it better to send our kids to a league school to study liberal arts so that they learn how they're educated on how to think and think for themselves, right? Or is it better if my kid can get into West Point that he learns engineering technology and leadership at West Point where there is a formula in science for everything, right? If you're going to lead troops or you're going to command troops, uh, they have systems in place and processes that have to be followed for what they believe is the right or the right integrity. So do I send my kid to UC Berkeley or should I send them to West Point? And all of that, I think, is based on values. I don't know if I answered your question, but it, it, right, it's a thought in parenting that as you get, start to have teenage kids, do you want them to go to a state school? Or what type of education do you want to put in front of them? Yeah, well, and also the the balance between between because you, I, I'm not sure I agree that you sh- that you can't or shouldn't inject your values into your kids. I I think that you should in some level, but or you need to have them understand your values through their values. But um, I I don't know. It's one of those things like I don't you don't want to mess with them because I if you you want people to be able to value what they want to and love them for what what they value and for who they are. Uh, but at the same time, it's not, you know, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just something I struggle with because I think that it's, it's a dichotomy <clears throat> that, um, 
that you can screw up no matter what side of the fence you're on. Like if you're too, too if you're too much of a totalitarian parent and forcing everything down, you're gonna. I mean, you see it play out on both directions. If you're too much of a of, of a hippie and your kid can do whatever they want, you know, <laughs> seems they all end up in drugs and trouble. Or if we, yeah, one thing I, I'm I'm sitting here thinking through some of what you're saying. I think Jordan Peterson was talking about the call to adventure, right? Harkening, harkening the call, but he was saying that um, it's so important to leave your father's house. I think, you know, he brought that up in, in this, this clip that he was talking about uh, and that we have to leave our father's house to go out and grow and find out who we are <clears throat> in, in order to better listen or be able to sit still and, and, and find the calling, hear the calling, you know what I mean? Get present with the calling. And some of that I think ties directly into what you brought up was, was the idea of highest values and priorities. And then we, you know, and, and then back to originally Jordan's thing on, you know, what is attention? What compels us? What drives us forward? What hooks us? It's a, it's a fascinating uh, subject. I, I think that he brings up. More questions than answers for sure. Um, so overall, uh, I guess the, the, the general point is you are you you are not the master of your own home. Um, I'm not sure. Do you agree with that? Just given the way that we broke it down, you are or you are not the master of your own home. Or is that too simple? I think when he says you're not the master of your own house. They're bringing it back to. um our ability to listen and act and move forward from a very pure place. And I think when he says that he's going back to, we don't control everything going on in our inner world. Right. That's what he, he, he literally saying. We, we don't have full control of our willpower. We, we can't sit on a meditation cushion and quiet everything down immediately. Right. And have pure silence. That, that there's so much going on, like you said, with imagination, fantasies, desires, um, impulses. There's so much moving that we are not in control uh, or the master of our own house. That, that's how I understand it. All right. Thanks for listening. That is the end of the podcast. Uh, I wanted to say thanks to Bill Breakmeyer for being on the show uh, and Jordan Peterson for his awesome lectures. Uh, I thought it was great content and we're going to have Bill back because we got tons of other cool ideas that we're going to be able to uh, bring to you guys. Uh, thanks. Like, review, uh, give us a five star. It really helps. Thank you. Bye.